take the communion together. Uh, I really want to talk about the kind of a really important aspect of the cross. And that is the temptation of Jesus. Uh, Becky and I recently listened to a podcast. I'm not sure if you're aware of something called UCB. It's a radio and podcast station. We do lots of different articles and bits and bats. And um, <clears throat> we listened to one, uh, was it, I think it was last week, uh, really struck a chord with both of us. We both listened to it. We were both like, wow. I never really thought about this thing before. And basically, it's about how the pattern of our sins is related to the pattern of our, of our gifts. And it was actually an extract which was shared from a book. Uh, and the book is called The Me I Want to Be, written by a gentleman called John Ortberg. So we're going to be talking also a little bit today, and maybe in the future, about being the better version of ourselves. You might have heard that before. Uh, and no, I don't mean your better half like your wife. I mean, I mean you. Uh, and so over the whole, over coming um, weeks, we can delve deeper into becoming God's best version of you and me. But I have a question. Do you find struggling with the same, do you find yourself struggling with the same thing? <clears throat> it might be that the thing you have struggled with in the past has gone away for a while. When you think you've grown it and mastered it, or you've got the better of it, it only raises its ugly head again, and there it is. You're tempted, you give in, you sin, you feel guilty, you feel discouraged, and you feel no annoyed at yourself, thinking to myself, how? I thought I'd got rid of this. This is, this is in the past. I was a teen or in my 20s or 30s. It's come back. Where's it come from? Now, sometimes when life is more stressful and there's more pressure on us or we're tired, things can creep back in. I'm going to share from this book. I'm going to try and be clear as crystal with my northern accent. I'll give it a go. The lady who shares this in the, in the podcast, I was going to play. And I said, she speaks so well and shares so well from the book. I said to my wife, shall I just play that instead because of my northern accent? She went, no, no, you go for it, babe. You go for it. So here, this is me going for it. Um, because we live in a physical environment, we sometimes speak of leaving a carbon footprint. But we also live in a spiritual environment and leave a sin footprint, which damages our spiritual environment. This is part of the power of temptation because the pattern of your sins is related to the pattern of your gifts. Just as home run hitters, i.e. baseball, also like to strike out a lot, the areas of your gifts and passions will also, will also indicate our areas of vulnerability. Extroverts who can inspire and encourage can also be prone to gossip. People who love to learn will be tempted to feel superior and talk down to others. Those who are spontaneous and have a great appetite for life will struggle with impulse control. Good listeners 
become passive enablers, opt optimists wander towards denial. Tell me your gifts, I'll tell you your sins. Greek mythology spoke of the nemesis, your mortal enemy. Your nemesis is like you in almost every way, except that he or she is the, is the ruined version of you. Sherlock Holmes' nemesis was Professor Moriarty, you might have seen the programme, also a brilliant man, but like Holmes would have been if Holmes had gone wrong. You are your own nemesis, your own biggest problem. Because there is a relationship between the best version of you and the worst version of you. What they have in common is that both of them are you. And I wanted to just maybe just talk about this little concept just for a short while before we talk about Jesus and before we talk about him on the cross and how he didn't have a nemesis. He, well, maybe he did, I don't know. It's a, that's a one for exegesis, but he definitely didn't he overcome it in the end for us. So let's just split into three little groups and I have some questions for you and then we can just feed back and share before we take communion. Uh, I've got to change it. So just split into groups while I change the PowerPoint. Three groups. Okay, so I just want to give you some little, little bit of an input. You will need your Bibles for this. Hopefully you've brought them. <laughs> You'll need your Bibles open at Hebrews 12. Um, if you've got the NLT version, New Living Translation, that's good. And if you've got the NIV version, that's good. And non, nothing, not saying other versions are rubbish, but there's two snippets of these verses, but I think for me are quite intriguing, and I wanted to share about them as well. So, turn to Hebrews 12. Um, the first question is, why are self-deception and self-justification so concerning? Is it easier to see deception in your own life or in the lives of others? How can you increase self-awareness? Question number two, what helps you most in keeping your soul connected to God, desiring him and resistant to temptation. And then the third one, you have to read Hebrews 12. And then we'll talk about that at the end, if that makes sense. So you have maybe three or four minutes to talk about it. So for the benefit of the recording, because people are not here, when you answer me, I'm going to try and repeat what you say. No, because there's something wrong with me. But because I want people to hear on the camera that what you're saying. 
Because play, play Leon. Sorry, mate. Okay, so question one, and I understand these can be a little bit tricky, you know, um, but I think it's good to talk about these things. So question one was, why are self-deception and self-justification so concerning? Is it easy to see in other people's lives or in your own life? And how can you increase self-awareness? So who would like to share? Uh, there was a mixture of things from, from our group, both on the, um, is it easy to see in your own life or in others' life? There's a mixture of things, uh, things as to whether it's uh, easier to see deception in your own life or in others' lives. Um, it's, it was both. The, mm. Yes, we can all see problems in other people's lives. I'm saying that I see people's bad driving. Yep. <laughs> the, and different things like that. And, um, yeah. and the, but there's things people see in me that you know, I'm either not aware of or I've pushed to the back. And, and one of the things we said was we can see things in ourselves, but we think, well, they're much smaller than that. anything else. They're too small. We don't have to deal with it right now. Mm. I'll deal with it later. Um, but we know that, uh, well, we can justify why, why we're doing that. Yeah. And those things, if we continue to do them, though, get bigger and bigger and bigger and cause more harm. Yeah. Yeah. So they have to be dealt with. And the issues with self-deception and self-justification is we don't deal with them. Reminds me of when the G Jesus said to the Pharisees about the plank and the speck. Sometimes we see our things as a speck and then we see the other people's issue like a plank in their eye, not, not a speck. Um, anybody else on that question? Thanks, Barry, for that. Should we move on to the second question? Oh, Jude. Um, yeah, I think personally, I saw it as it's so sort of as Barry said, it's so easy to see um, yourself, but then see that it's so minor that you start to point, think, say. You see something in your character, but you think that's so minor. That's that's not a big thing. And then point it at someone else and be like, but theirs is so much bigger. And then I think because we live in a society that is so, we do like to point fingers a lot of the time and blame it on other people. I think that's when there's a lot of self-justification that comes in. Mm -hmm. And you think that's not my problem, that's theirs. Or and then they'll start pointing it back or whatever. And, mm -hmm. and I think that's the problem that we see in our own characters. Is it's really easy to start pointing fingers at other people when you don't want to take it on yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you, Jude. We have to take responsibility for our sin and for ourselves. And just, you know, and just sometimes um, be aware of our own sin that everybody else is. It's, it's hard. He's just said and done, though, right? Mm. Number two, what helps you most in keeping your soul connected to God, desiring him and resisting temptation? So what helps us most... Stay in the fight. Well, for me, and I did say I hope God's not listening at the moment, but um, <laughs> for yeah, me... You'll be watching the video later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps mute this bit. Um, for me, it's definitely when... I like to be in control. And, um, and there are times when in my life I'm, I'm not, or I'm not in control of the situation. Um, then I'm definitely much more reliant on God. And then times when things are going well and I feel like I'm, yep, all the boxes are ticked and, yep, then I'm, I'm much more reliant on myself 
And that's when I can then get into, really easily, into temptation, into, you know, just the, I don't, I don't see my, I'm not as aware of my self, but also of my need for God at those times. So I'm less reliant on him, much more reliant on my own ability. And then suddenly I find myself, you know, in lots of sin and think, wow, how did I get here? And so, so note to God, I don't <laughs> want loads of unrestful <laughs> times in my life. But, you know, <laughs> that's definitely when I, I'm, you know, I think for me, I was sharing in our group that for me, it's, um, it's being around godly people, being around people who desire God. And I was saying, there's people at work who are nicer than me. There's people's characters at work where I think, well, I wish I was more like him or more like her. And I don't mean that. I don't mean comparing my character. What I mean is people who desire God. People who are not, who are not perfect, but desire God. And they're in the fight with me and understand when I'm in that fight, and I feel like I'm in the fight with everybody else, I feel more energetic. I feel more like I want to continue. And we'll talk about that in a minute uh, from, uh, if, when we talk about communion and what Jesus has done and how it spurs me on and how it should spur all of us on, really. Okay, Hebrews 12, 1 to 4. Um, I'm going to read it. So, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And it, um, in the NIV version, it says, the sin that so easily entangles. So why is it that these sins, why is it easily done? Why is it so easily trips us up? Why is it so easily entangles us? Why is that? Thinking about our nemesis, the ruined version. Yeah, definitely. But I also think it's because the things we sin in are also the things that we do well in, if that makes sense. So let me share from the book again. So, extroverts who can inspire, can encourage, and encourage can also be prone to gossip. People who love to learn will be tempted to feel superior and talk down to others. So I think because our nemesis, our ruined versions of ourselves, are very similar to the things we are good at, it, that's why it so easily entangles us. That's why it so easily trips us up. And I was thinking about this analogy. What does Velcro look like? Velcro on one side is the same. It's almost an identical fact. One's got loops, one's not. But it's very similar, isn't it, in the fact that, but when you stick it together, it entangles. One, I'm not quite sure which one's positive, which one's negative, which one's good, which one's bad, but actually, we are like that as people. The things we're strong in are the things that trip us up. It's the ruined version of our good self, if that makes sense. And I think it's really important for us to understand ourselves, understand what we're good at, and then figure out how can that be used in a bad way. 
if that makes sense. If I'm an inspiring person, do I gossip? If I'm good at learning things and I can just input things and I just find it easy to learn and absorb information, does that mean I'm like impatient with other people who don't get it? Does that make sense? And that's why it so easily entangles us. That's why it so easily trips us up because it's, it's like us. It is just like us. We can't see it because it's like us, if that makes sense. You know, we're not, we are not tempted by that which repulses us. Temptation rarely begins by trying to get us to do something that is 180 degrees in the opposite direction of our values. But it starts close to home with the passion and desires that God wired into us. No one is more vulnerable than the one who lacks self-awareness. You know, before we take communion now, uh, I'm going to share a scripture from Revelations 3. And it says, So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire, that you'll be rich. Also buy white garments from me, so you will not be ashamed by your nakedness. And anointment for your eyes, so you'll be able to see. Self-awareness. God wants to rub him, his ointment, into our eyes so we have self-awareness. He's wanting us to buy, wear his clothes, have his gold, have everything he has so we can see, so we can help us overcome sin. Jesus became perfection for us. In, in Hebrews 12, towards the end of it, he says... Because of the joy awaiting him, he drove the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honour beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured for simple people. People, Then you won't be weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given up, um, given your lives in the struggle against sin. So we haven't given up. And part of the communion for me is the fact that Jesus endured everything and did not give up for me. So as I take communion this morning, as we take communion, let's not be discouraged by our sin. That's being powered and re-motivated to keep on battling with it because of the fact that Christ has won for us and he's an inspiration that he endured it for us, if that makes sense. He was strong to the end. Let's draw from that strength as we think about the, the fact that he died for us. Um, let's not lose heart let's not lose heart let's not be weary and let's not become self-pitiful because our sin footprint cannot be seen any longer by God let's pray before we take the communion Father you want to equip us in every single way to uh, have a life of faith and to make it to heaven and Father, the biggest things of this world, what trip us up, are not the big things, not the disasters, not the pain, but it's ourselves. It's the, it's the ruined version of ourselves. It's um, the good things, what we have, uh, slightly tainted to work against us, Father. Help us to realize these things. Help us to be self-aware. 
Help us to be patient with ourselves, but with others as we go on this journey uh, in self-awareness. We pray, God, as we take communion, God, we can just really be inspired by the fact that you endured it, that you uh, took every single bit of our sin to the cross. But we want to leave this world leaving an amazing footprint, um, taking people with us. We want to leave this world with healthy spiritual family, Father, uh, uh, and our children should be healthy and spiritual as well, Father. Help us to um, help us with that, Father. Father, we thank you, God, for these times where we can take communion together. We pray these things in your Son's name. Amen.